When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to Lola Pops Off About Dramas with your host, Lola. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And thank you for joining me on this new episode where I will be delving into my journey and to the K-drama world. It is going to be a history lesson about um, young Lola discovering K-dramas. And honestly, the path to K-dramas in preparing for this episode I was thinking about it and the path (laughs) to K-dramas didn't have much to do with K-dramas at all so that's what's going to be kind of fun to explore in this podcast today so I hope you um, can pull up a seat and join me as we kind of chat about this story I feel like it's not anything unique or anything fantastical I feel like there may be others who are out there that have experienced a similar trajectory into k-dramas but I think no matter what it's a story that I think a lot of us k-drama lovers like to share about how it all began so I'm gonna take some time out today to do that and I hope you will join me for it So, I may be dating and aging myself throughout this uh, podcast episode and that I will probably will be revealing some some years that things were released and, you know, my age at the time when it was released. And so it may (laughs) really give you my age there. And I don't think it matters really, but I think it is fascinating to kind of see what age people were introduced to K-dramas or, you know, when it all started for them. Because I know there's people that met people in high school that also enjoyed dramas and then they, you know, jumped off from there or there may be people who, you know, grew up with family members who watched K-dramas. So, of course, naturally, they always enjoy dramas. But I think my story, again, isn't unique. But it's it's fun to talk about it because I think that's something that I, I get. Um, the, that's the question I get from a lot of people when I do let them know about my obsession with K-dramas. It always is, how? Where did this start? Why? And I feel like I enjoy telling that story to them. (laughs) So I wanted to have it somewhere kind of on on file so that I can always have this um, story down. So yes, today's episode will be me starting the journey into the K-drama world. So let's start this story. Um, At the age of nine, young Lola at the age of nine, Um, who (laughs) at the time was familiar with most children movies in the 90s and late 80s. And she enjoyed um, a good Disney movie um, when they were released. So that was mostly my, you know, film watching experiences. And I enjoyed it. I loved films at a young age. Enjoyed it. 
Uh, my parents, they we weren't really movie goers, like movie theater goers, so we didn't go to the movie theaters often, but we did enjoy watching some movies on TV. We had like movie channels all the time growing up. We also, you know, had frequent trips to the uh, movie rental places at the time. And I remember going to a movie rental place before Blockbuster was a thing. So, you know, that's again, aging me, but you know, I enjoyed that process. I liked the experiences of going into Blockbuster and shopping around for movies that were just released. Or I remember frigidly waiting outside in the cold one year, waiting for people to return the matrix. This is so off topic, but I just remember that experience of going to Blockbuster with my parents and my family and, you know, waiting for people to drop off the latest movie so that you can be the next in line to rent it. You know, that was fun. That was a blast. And so those are things that I'm remembering in this kind of journey and this start to my K-drama experiences. Yes, <laughs> not necessarily The Matrix is a part of it, but, you know, just this experience of loving movies, watching films. So again, K-dramas are not movies and not films. They are television shows. So that's why I like this, you know, story starting where it wasn't really kind of television based. So I enjoyed a good movie even at a young age. So I remember with that being, you know, with that experience, we always had TVs in our room growing up, me and my siblings, uh, me and my sisters. We always had TVs in our rooms. And I didn't realize until growing up later that that is actually, you know, that was rare at the time. And I, you know, think back, I was like, wait, did my parents do something wrong by like allowing us to have TVs in our room at that age? But no, we're fine. (laughs) TVs didn't destroy us or anything. If anything, it helped me find my K-drama. So, you know, I'm grateful that I got the chance to have TVs in my room at a young age. (laughs) But that's beside the point. I remember um, that TV was really rinky-dink very small it was the time when there were antennas that you had to kind of like move around to get a signal and I only had four channels and the one of the channels was TBS um, I think it's Turner Broadcasting Station and I don't even know if that still exists I'm gonna be honest with you I don't watch television anymore so I don't know what TV channels are <laughs> so that may still be around me and I it might have gotten swallowed up by something else some big you know company but neither here nor there I remember TBS was very it had just movies all the time it had nice like light comedy shows throughout the week then sometimes on the weekends on Saturdays they were like marathon movies like just movies that I had never seen I got a chance to see them on this little uh, rinky dink TV on this TBS station and I remember this Saturday after a long hard day of course I mean hard week of school I got to enjoy my Saturdays where, you know, I could watch, you know, veg out and watch TV and movies all day. And, you know, no one would bother me. And that was just a thing that I enjoyed. And this again, mind you, I'm like around the age of nine. And so I was watching movies that Saturday and then another movie comes in, you know, one movie ends, the next one starts. And this movie I immediately like sit up watching it. You know, you're usually like, you know, laying down here, like, you know, snacking on something. You're like, oh, what is this? This movie, I immediately kind of like sat up and I was glued to the TV. I remember thinking while watching how fun and funny um, 
this movie was. It was fast-paced, it was action-packed, and it was cool, and it was funny. And the, the highlight here is that, you know, they had voices coming out of their mouths that didn't ma- match <laughs> their mouths. That was the other thing. I was like, wait, what's happening? And it was, I think, probably one of my first experiences with a dubbed movie. And the movie, and I'm telling you, man, full circle, the movie that I was watching was actually City Hunter with Jackie Chan, the 1993 film City Hunter with Jackie Chan. And it was a dubbed version of it. And it was looked silly with the way the voices were coming out of their mouths. and But it didn't distract me from the fun that I had while watching the film. And I just remember thinking... After the credits roll, like literally, after the credits roll, I remember this vividly thinking, where have you been? <laughs> where have these movies been? And of course, these movies were relating to a kind of like the, you know, kung fu action packed, but also um, seeing people on screen that I had never really been introduced to before. So that was also quite enjoyable for me. It was, you know, something new. And I felt deprived (laughs) even at the age of nine. I knew that was a feeling of like, hey, I'm missing out on something. Hey, people aren't telling me about this. Hey, this isn't very accessible to me. I haven't gotten a chance to watch tons of these. Where are these? Where are they hiding? And honestly, that was the start. City Hunter with Jackie Chan. (laughs) That movie was the start. And so being an avid, you know, movie watcher, even at a young age, despite it being, you know, children's films, after watching City Hunter on, you know, that Saturday morning, I realized that, okay, this is a thing that's out there. I need to get more. And so my trips to Blockbusters, which my, you know, was a weekly thing. I mean, like maybe, you know, multiple times a week my parents, that was something they knew we enjoyed. They would take us to the, you know, movie rental place, i.e. this time it was Blockbuster, and they would just kind of let us run run free. Tell us, you know, find something that you want, pick something out that you would either want to watch with the family or you want to watch by yourself, you know, pick it out, we'll get it, and then we'll go home and you watch. So that was, a, you know, a tradition for us. And I remember my trips to Blockbuster then being filled with, the need to find more movies with, you know, like like that, like City Hunter. And that meant for me walking down the aisles of Blockbuster, and I know this may sound how it may sound, but walking down the aisles of Blockbuster and picking up anything that had a cover where there were Asian people on it. That was where it was to me at that point. I knew that was the connection. So then, you know, me being in the late 90s at the time, early, you know, 2000s, picking up random, you know, Asian films on in Blockbuster, you can only imagine the things that I was picking up. (laughs) I mean, I, I mean, this story leads into that. So, I was not paying attention to, you know, the, the, the plot of the film because I wasn't paying attention to, you know, what it was rated. <laughs> I was picking up things and handing it to my parents and they're looking at it quickly being like, what, you want to watch this? And getting it for me. And this was a real thing, you know, and then I have an older sibling, I have an older sister. So, you know, at some point it was her taking us and, you know, she really didn't care. So <laughs> it was like a free for all at some point. Um, and then we also, like I said, we had access to a lot of 
um, movie channels at home. So like, even if it wasn't on my Ricky Dink TV in my room, if I stayed up late at night, late at night, you know, when everyone else went to sleep and I was, you know, watching the TV downstairs, I could watch, you know, HBO and Cinemax and Showtime and find some of these other, you know, and you know, other movies that had, you know, that were Asian films. So that was where it started for me. I was consuming a lot of films, not, you know, expecting anything else from it, but that I was new, I wanted more. And that led to some films. So this City Hunter with Jackie Chan then led me to uh, one of my all-time favorite movies, um, Full-Time Killer with Andy Lau. Like, seriously, from City Hunter to Full-Time Killer, man. And I was obsessed with Andy Lau, so, uh, you know, Infernal Affairs came after that and all that kind of stuff. But Full-Time Killer, amazing film. Enjoyed every second of it. I I remember, um, you know, that leading me to more Hong Kong um, films. I really got into Hong Kong cinema at that time. So, of course, Wong Kar Wai came along the way. Every single film. I mean, love them. I, I remember I was around probably 16, 17 and Blockbuster, I mean, not Blockbuster, Best Buy um, at the time had a box set, a DVD box set. And they were like a collection of, of Wong Kar Wai's, um, Wong Kar Wai's films. And I begged my mom for Christmas to get that. I was like, this is what I want for Christmas. If you, I don't want anything else, get me this box set and the box set was pretty expensive I mean if you could imagine it was at the time DVDs are still technically kind of new they weren't no they were not blu-rays yet so you know that was not a cheap set because it was about five of his films in a box set so I absolutely was so excited I mean (laughs) to say the least when I got that but you know so I was watching films like that Hong Kong cinema as a whole you know Stephen Chow like they're just consuming, consuming, consuming. At the same time, like I said, I was scouring Blockbuster, you know, weekly and other films were coming into play. There were Japanese films because at the time I feel like Japanese horror films were very popular. So I could find that in um, Blockbuster for sure. And at the time, you know, being young, I guess I was not that scared, that afraid of things or films at the time, but I would, you know, watch Japanese horror films. Like that was the thing I would watch because again, it was the same kind of idea, you know? So I was watching Japanese horror films that led me to, um, Takashi Miyake, you know, like things like that. That's where, (laughs) that's where I was. At the age spanning from around 9 to 12, 9 to 13, this is what I was consuming. Asian cinema, Hong Kong cinema, um, you know, Japanese films, Taiwanese. I mean, I was having a good time and I felt really good about myself because I felt like, hey, I'm watching things that no one else my age, in my, you know, immediate vicinity, that they're watching. I'm the only one watching this stuff. And it was 
fun. I had a blast. Um, I did later on in high school meet a friend who also watched a lot of Chinese films. Um, you know, brought that I'm saying Chinese films brought. It wasn't just Hong Kong cinema, but she also watched Chinese films, and so we connected and bonded over that. We both had a huge crush on Takashi Kanishiro, and that was a whole thing. And you know, that was in high school. So again, had a great time. Something else that that led to. So I'm going through like a little process. So we had you know. City Hunter with Jackie Chan. We have Full Time Killer. We have Wong Kar Lai films. We had Japanese horrors. So like, you know, like The Ring and things like that at the time. Takashi Miyake films. And when I say Takashi Miyake, this is where it's, it's, this is, this is the next stage. So Takashi Miyake led me to Shun Okuri. <laughs> so... He is a director of Crow Zero, which is, oh my gosh, so much fun. And I remember it being my first kind of, you know, Asian film, a Japanese film that I had watched after watching multiple. I'm not even going into details of how many films I watched. And I think there actually were some Korean um, films that I watched during this period. I don't think they stuck out to me as much because I was, I mean, they you know, along with some Takashi Miyake films, but they like disturb me, right? So I kind of, you know, they didn't stick with me. But now when I look back at what they were, I'm like, oh my goodness, you know, Old Boy was in there. And I remember watching that and being traumatized, um, <laughs> to say the least. But that's neither here nor there. So I had watched Crow Zero and this experience of watching this movie was, was my first time actually watching more teen-esque movies that were, you know, relatable. Not in the sense that I related to the plot of Quote Zero, but I like seeing younger actors on screen after, you know, following people like Andy Lau and Takashi Kanichiro. Like, I was watching, you know, I was watching adults acting and adult stories so crow zero was my introduction to the teenager experience and you know this japanese film despite it being super dramatic and super intense and being takashi miyaki so enjoying shun shun unguri and thinking he was absolutely gorgeous um absolutely just mesmerizing on screen he was an he is an amazing actor and just being just pulled in I was obsessed I fell in love with him so (laughs) that crow zero was like hey you know there's other actors out there there's you know younger actors out there and that was kind of when I started to look for that something I didn't know and I let me go back to like Korean films at the time. This was another pivotal pivotal moment in my life, and it was watching. Well, it was being introduced to this Korean film that was going to be in collaboration with hip hop artists on MTV. What I tell you, this is a funny story. So I don't know if many people know about this, but there's a Korean movie. I think it's from 2001. I think so. Yes, from 2001, and it was. It's called Volcano High. It has, um, you know, 
so many great actors that we all love now and you know our k-drama watching you know so like ogs and they were young they were like probably 20s early 20s at the time doing volcano high and i hadn't had much you know Korean film watching experiences out of all the other films, Asian films that I were watch, I was watching at the time. So when I saw this being kind of not mainstream, but technically it was uh, MTV was going to air it, and that to me was like, oh my goodness, look what's happening! It's being introduced to the, the, to, the to everyone, and I thought I had this little you know secret of like these films that people that I, you know, in my day-to-day just didn't watch, didn't have access to, didn't care to have access to, but I avidly, you know, searched for it. But, you know, MTV was now going to, you know, give others this chance to experience this greatness that I've already had been falling in love with. And I remember being so excited and watching all the kind of behind the scenes preparing for this Volcano High premiere because they were, the the, the cool thing about it was that they were going to, you know, allow these hip hop artists to dub <laughs> you know, the, the film. And I just thought it was cool. I was like, this is making it, you know, fun and accessible and this kind of MTV space. And I remember thinking, oh, my sisters are going to love this as well. Cause you know, it was incorporating hip hop at the time. And I just thought it was genius. And I just remember being so annoying about it. Like, bug bugging my sisters like oh my gosh get ready get ready I can't wait for this premiere you guys were all going to sit down and watch this premiere and we did I forced them all to watch this Volcano High you know hip-hop <laughs> dubbed uh, premiere on MTV and I remember having another blast like oh my gosh that was so good I remember watching it on the re when they would re-air it I would watch it again on MTV I loved it absolutely absolutely loved it and that was back in 2001 so mind you I was probably what uh, I want to say 12 at the time so yeah I was young and enjoyed every second of it and that was just a little pivotal moment for me because again it was that experience of seeing like younger you know actors in like this high school setting like at the time I I wasn't watching stuff like that in my other you know my in my Hong Kong films or my Japanese horror films like that wasn't what I was watching that kind of character those kind of characters so seeing that in Volcano High I was like oh this is great and then years later being you know watching Crow Zero with Sean and Gori I was like oh yeah this is it. So I got obsessed with Sean um, Unguri and that led me to wanting to watch more things with him in it. So it led to more films, but it also then led to his dramas. So my real introduction to dramas, actual, you know, drama watching was Japanese dramas. I watched J-dramas. That was my start there. I love um Shutter Gray and of course he was in the infamous Boys Over Flowers um I remember Stand Up um Gokusen those were I mean those are all Gokusen those are all these um you know classic J-dramas that I went back to watch because I think at that time they were older you know old and loved every second um love 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 loved every second so 
it was you know it makes sense now that like okay all this kind of led me to following the actors you know following the directors and being immersed in the the you know the cinema to the point where I did know actors I could follow them I do I knew you know who was who when I would watch a film and that was you know my experience it's just being knowledgeable in that those you know films at the time and Shonaguri led me to drama watching um and <laughs> this is and then of course this does lead to how I get to K-dramas so being obsessed with Shonaguri watching his older dramas because I just wanted to watch all things with him in it and one of the dramas in 2007 that I watched with him in it. and at that time 2007 he was pretty popular like he had a lot of things like back to back coming out so I think Crow Zero was in 2007 you know so I was going back to some of his older dramas before 2007 but he was also currently working and he was pretty hot at the time. So I had new things to catch up on too. And I remember he was in another fan favorite or Willie's a favorite of mine was Hannah Kimmy. <laughs> um, another J drama around 2000, I think it was in 2007. And I mean, so much fun, but this is something to know. And this is going to lend itself into my future podcast episodes when you start to hear me talk about what I like and don't like in dramas, you know, and different tropes that I enjoy in dramas and things like that. You'll hear this trope. So what I love about Hana Kimmy, of course, is it's the, you know, <laughs> it's the classic, you know, girl dresses as a boy and has to kind of infiltrate the <laughs> the scene. <laughs> and so that led me to you know, after, you know, watching this and reading on forums and things like that, like, oh, if you enjoyed this, this J-drama, you might like this. And that led me to, if you like this, you know, J-drama about a boy dressing up, I mean, a girl dressing up as a boy, um, (laughs) then you might also like this K-drama where there's another storyline where their guy, the girl is disguised as a guy and that of course was 2007's Coffee Friends and when I tell you the rest is history the rest is history so you know Coffee Friends is a lot I feel like a lot of people's gateway drama well for me it was definitely a gateway drama um, K-drama for me obviously I've been watching J-dramas for you know some time you know before watching Coffee Prince, I think Coffee Prince had ended by the time I watched it. So it wasn't that I was watching it as it was airing. I watched it after it aired. And um, it was my first K-drama and fell in love. Gong Yu, of course. Yoon, um, Un Hei. I mean, so, so, I fell so much in love with them. And it led to so many other dramas from there. So the rest is history. This is the story. It's not, like I said, grand or anything too extravagant. Um, And it's not even probably, it doesn't give you as much details as probably like all the films that I watched and the actors that I loved and directors that I loved. I mean, there's so many um, there, of course. But I just wanted to kind of, you know, truncate it so that I could get you to how this led me to coffee prints <laughs> i.e k-dramas and again like i said the rest is history
So thanks for listening. It's been real. Lola's off.